Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. What are you building? That is my question this morning, and we are talking about Give Big. It's uh, Give Big coming up, and if you, uh, if you are new to us, we do Give Big twice a year, and at the end of the year, kind of November, December time, uh, we give to the poor, so in that one just gone, we gave to Ukraine, to Uganda, and to Oasis, and actually, I, I was reminding myself of the numbers this morning. Uh, actually, the CCM gave just over 80 grand in that last Give Big. It was a huge amount of cash. Uh, that we will be able to pitch in and give away. It was wonderful. Uh, and then um, uh, the one before that, we gave to our new sites that we wanted to plant. Again, huge amount of money uh, given, which enabled us to get Reddish started, has uh, enabled us to get uh, put some time into our Spanish-speaking uh, community. And we had a, um, our service last week, and that's going to go to fortnightly now, and a two o'clock service here for Spanish speakers, uh, which we are very excited about. So uh, Give Big is uh, a fun time of year for us. Uh, and today I want us to talk and think about that a little bit, about what we do with our money, particularly our giving. And for me, giving is an act of imagination and an act of creativity. I think when we uh, give of our money, actually, we look to bring life to something. That's what we do. When we, uh, when we give, we actually are building. Now, you may not think about it in those terms, but whenever you spend your money, you are attempting to build something. Uh, this morning, as I was just going over uh, my preach, I, I turned around in my office, I've got a wall of CDs. I don't even have a CD player anymore. But when I was a teenager and in my 20s, no, pre-Spotify, I bought loads and loads of CDs. Uh, and I built something there. I built my music collection. It was, I built my love of music in that. When you put your money into something, you, you build things, don't you? Um, and I want us to think in those terms this morning. And it's easy, actually, to disengage from giving. Perhaps you set up a standing order or you just put a bit of money in when the, uh, the pot goes by or the weird box is at the back or whatever you might do. Um, or, or perhaps you, you view giving, actually, as a bit of an obligation. It's probably something I should do as a Christian, and you just kind of think about it in those terms. Or perhaps you think of it as giving to charity. Now, giving to church is like giving to any number of different charities, and I put it into that category. Or perhaps it is something you would just rather we didn't talk about. If we could just not talk about money, that would be fine. So my family, we, uh, we talked about money lots. My dad taught me about budgeting, and money was a part of conversation. They tried to break the mystique of it. Uh, and in Vicky's family, they just never talk about money. If you ever go near the subject of, of money, you can see them all getting a bit tense. I always want to talk about money all the time. So when he collects art, Vic's dad, and the first question I, I would ask is, how much is that worth? And he's like, no, it's a beautiful picture. I'm like, yeah, how much is it worth? And uh, yeah, so it, you may not enjoy even talking about money. But actually, when we give to church, it's a deeply profound activity, actually. You may not think about it in those terms, uh, giving is a way that we actually play our part in the story of God's people, a story that is thousands of years old, actually. We become a vital part of God's advancing kingdom. Actually, it puts us right into the middle of the battle when we give our money. We give to build something that is incredible, lasts much longer than us, was here before us, will be here after us. 
But when we give, we get to be part of that. And today we're going to look at one of the more controversial and interesting passages in Acts. They're all interesting. This one I find particularly interesting in Acts 4 and 5. And we're going to look at the giving of three different people. We're going to look at how Barnabas gave his money. And then we're going to look at a particular couple who gave their money in a certain way called Ananias and Sapphira. And in this passage, we will see how giving, and giving to church particularly, how it builds something. Okay, so we will read through those in a second, but let's just get our our context first. So uh, Peter and John had just been arrested. This is very early on in the story of this brand new church. And they'd been arrested for preaching in the temple. Okay, and the location of where they're preaching is quite important. We'll come back to it. Now, not only were they preaching, they actually healed someone as they prayed for him in the temple. And so they were taken in for questioning as they arrested. And the high priest and the scribes, the kind of uh, religious establishment, uh, they say to them, what power did you do this by? You, somebody got healed. How did you do this? And they say, well, by the power of Jesus. And Jesus they describe as the cornerstone. Yeah, it's important. And they are, they are amazed, okay, the, these scribes and high priests, they're amazed at the boldness of these people, and, but they ban them from preaching. So we are amazed at how, uh, how well you've done, but don't do it again. And Peter and John are then released, and they go back to the believers, and the believers have a prayer meeting, and they pray Psalm 2. They pray, why did the Gentiles rage, the peoples plot in vain, the kings of the earth set themselves against the Lord?" and against his anointed. And so they keep praying for boldness. And they are praying because Jesus' kingdom is advancing, and they are beginning to see the opposite kingdom push back against them. Okay, and then the Holy Spirit falls, and they are filled with the Spirit. So this brand new church of Jesus is on fire. Just amazing things are happening. They are motivated. You can imagine the prayer meeting. Somebody got healed, and we got arrested. Come on! salvation, loads of things, little bit of opposition. They've basically been told off and then sent away, but not very much. The opposition will get much worse over time. But they are highly motivated. So what actually happened in that little bit of story there? Well, the temple is being built. Okay, so remember, Peter and John preached in the temple. Okay, then they are taken by the high priests and they say, Jesus is the cornerstone. Now, this ancient temple in Jerusalem would have had a massive cornerstone. That's how they built those things, where they started from. And they're saying, actually, well, Jesus is the new cornerstone. So we preach in your old temple, but Jesus is the cornerstone. So there is this brand new Christian community, this church that they are starting. And it is, they're thinking of it in terms of a temple. That's how they are imagining it. And it is a place of holiness. So the the actual temple of of Israel in Jerusalem, they saw it in those terms. Right in the middle, there was a a room that no one could go into because that's where God lived, the Holy of Holies. It's where heaven and earth met each other. And actually, as they are preaching, as they say Jesus is the new cornerstone, they are building this new holy place. It's where God's people come and meet with God. No longer need to do that in a temple. They get to do that in the church. Actually, when we come together here, Luth King House on a Sunday morning, we may be sat here thinking, this room is too hot. Um, But actually, when we're with our people, when we are together, actually, we are the temple. And actually, when you're out at work or in your lives or uh, with your friends, whatever you might do, you are still a piece of the temple. 
That's what they were building. You are a holy people. We're not about a holy place. As Christians, we are about a holy people. So the church is being built. And then we see this. So it's this grand narrative, these amazing things happening. And I find it fascinating. They then talk about people's giving. So the church is expanding. People are getting healed. Persecution is coming. An amazing moment. How does it affect people's day-to-day lives? And their day-to-day lives often, I don't know about yours, are played out in our finances, aren't they? And we see that in Barnabas, Ananias, and Sapphira. So Barnabas sees an opportunity to give to advance the kingdom of God, an opportunity to give to build this new temple. Ananias and Sapphira, they see an opportunity to advance their own kingdom, to build their own sense of who they are. Okay, so let's read. We're going to go to Acts 4, 32 to 37, which, there you go, appears behind me. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, But you can read in your Bible as well if you would like to. It says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of land or houses sold them and bought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had needs. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. It's a great nickname. If he was English, he might have been called son of subtle put-downs or sarcasm, but he is called son of encouragement. It's a wonderful name. A Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him, bought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, Barnabas is an absolutely fascinating character. uh, He is one of my favourites that pops up a few times. Of the kind of minor cast of characters in Acts and the New Testament, Barnabas just is head and shoulders above. I think he's fantastic. Uh, And his nickname, Son of Encouragement, actually really bears out over his life as we see him. Uh, And we see it numbers of times come out. He seems to be a great believer in the people around him. He loved the church and he loved the people. And later on in Acts, Acts 11, it says, uh, he was a good man, that's how it describes Barnabas, a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. That's a description of a, a good man, that full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord's. Okay, this is at Antioch, the church he was at. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Now, it's a fantastic description of him. And he saw great things happen in this church in Antioch, which it seems he was probably the the leader of this church. And he has faith. He is filled with the spirit. The church just grows rapidly. Loads of stuff happens there. Okay, And what does he decide to do? He goes to find some help. He goes to find Paul in Tarsus. Okay, takes him to Antioch. And they, they preach and teach together over a few years. Now, actually, that's a pretty humble move, if you think about it. So if you plant a church, I've planted a couple of church, and the point where it accelerates and starts to grow, at that point you're thinking, I'm going to get some credit for this. This is going well, okay? This is good. I'm I'm pleased about this. Uh, And you can kind of feel like that sense of ownership that it's yours. But actually, Barnabas does the exact opposite. He sees it growing and thinks, I need some help. I need someone who I know is going to be better than me and do very well. And so he goes and finds 
this guy, Paul. And actually, as we read this story, as their relationship develops, these two, and out of Antioch, they start doing these missionary journeys. And slowly but surely, it seems Barnabas goes from being the senior to Paul to actually Paul becoming the senior in the relationship. And Barnabas seems largely to be fine with that, like he's bringing this guy through. A son of encouragement is Barnabas. Also, we see Barnabas stand up for a young guy called Mark. Uh, And Mark decides on one of their missionary trips that he's had enough and he leaves. Uh, And uh, Paul is pretty upset about this, but um, but Barnabas defends him, stands up for this guy uh, and tries to bring him back in, tries to find a way for him to be restored. Barnabas genuinely seems to want other people to succeed, even if that means potentially he loses. He loses perhaps prestige or whatever it might be. And we see this in his giving, just in this little story in Acts 4 about how he gives. He doesn't give out of obligation. He doesn't give out of a sense of this is the charity that I want to serve. Actually, for him, it is a big step of faith. It is an opportunity to build this new temple, this uh, brand new church. So how did he do that? How did Barnabas build with his giving? I think there's loads that we can learn from this. Now, firstly, he went out of his way to give. So he is from Cyprus, it says he's from Cyprus, but at this moment he is giving in Jerusalem. So he has inconvenienced himself to give financially. He has rearranged his life, in fact, so that he could give. He has made decisions, actually, you know what, I'm going to organise my life in this way so that I can give away money. He's not waited for it just to work for him. Oh, it's the right moment for me now. Yeah, this fits in with the rest of my life. Actually, no, I'm going to make my life work this way so that I can give, so that I can serve, so that I can build. Now, we know nothing about how he was converted, how he uh, came to faith in Jesus. It's interesting, Paul's story, we see him at conversion. We see this incredible story of salvation. But this is the first time we meet Barnabas. And Luke, I think, who wrote Acts, is doing it deliberately. He wants us to see Barnabas and think generosity, encouragement. That's what he wants us to see. That's kind of what Barnabas stands for in Acts. And so it's not an afterthought for him. And that's important for us, actually. I think that's a real challenge when we think about how we use our money, how we want to give. Is it the last thing? Is it the thing at the bottom of the spreadsheet? Is it fitted into what's left? Or, like Barnabas, do we arrange our life so that we can be generous? A good friend of mine And she tells me, oh, Tim, giving is at the top of the spreadsheet. And underneath it is taxes. I'm like, oh, okay, that's how you work it out. He says, this is how I give. I organize my life so that I can give. And Barnabas was looking to build this church, this new temple, temple that Jesus is the cornerstone of. And Barnabas is thinking, you know what? I can help. I can sell a field. I can organize my life. I'm going to go out of my way to help build this holy people. And it's also costly. So it says he sold a field. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this, but once you sell something, you haven't got it anymore. Have you noticed that? That tends to be what happens. Or perhaps if you've got £10 and you give it to someone else, say it's yours, that means you no longer have the £10. It is a costly thing to do. And for Barnabas, I think this is pretty clear because we think now a field, what are you going to do with a field? But actually a field for him would have generated income, would have uh, continued appreciating in value, all of these things. And actually he sells it 
He gives the money to the church. He no longer has it. There is a cost to that. And actually, sometimes we can, um, we can get our heads a bit mixed up with giving and we can think, right, I, I can give away, but I, when it gets uncomfortable, I, I want to stop. But actually, in that discomfort is where the faith is. In that cost is where the faith is. In that discomfort is where we are building. And he also did it with great humility. It says, it's a very humble statement. Where did he put it? He put it at the feet of the apostles. He's saying, look, this is my field sold. I put it at your feet. It's almost like a step back. Now it's your problem. It's, it's not mine. You do with it what you want. Actually, that is a, a pretty humble thing to do, to give away your gift and allow somebody else to spend it, allow someone else to say, yep, this is what we are going to go for. Actually, it's quite powerful. In, in our culture, it breaks the idea of our money. I don't know if you think about your, your money in those terms. It's very easy to slip into that and say, well, this is my money. This is what I've earned. Actually, it, dis, it says in this uh, story that no one said that any of their things belonged to them. Okay, that they didn't view their, their, what they owned as theirs. They thought, this is all ours. Actually, in the West, this is a stronghold for us, this idea of our money. Because actually, there's a good chance we were born into this nation, in a nation where it's easy to get free education, where it's actually relatively easy to find ourselves a job, and it's relatively easy to save money, to build up a pension, all of those things. And we get kind of used to that, and we see it as our right. But you might live in another nation, you might have been born there, with exactly the same skill set and personality, and you might find that education is very hard to come by that actually decent employment is very hard to come by. And so we forget that privilege when we think, this money is is my money, I've earned it. Actually, this money that we have is our privilege that we are given and we're called to steward. And actually, when he puts it at the apostles' feet, that's that's a statement that breaks that idea. And lastly, he gave for the future as well. This church was being built This community was coming to life. God was on the move. And he was building something that looked completely different to the worlds around him. Barnabas was was giving to build the people of God. And I bet this moment, and the way that Luke is kind of telling the story, this sense of this guy turns up, sells a field, puts the money at the feet of the apostles, you can feel kind of the tension in the rest of the church, the excitement grief. This is, this is brilliant. Look, even rich people are here and, and giving up their stuff and, and giving and looking after us and wanting to build. Even these people of influence, and it sells a field. Perhaps he owns more fields. This is amazing. Who is this guy? And in this moment of excitement, evil comes against them. Let's read about Ananias and Sapphira. Absolutely fascinating story. Go straight to this. But a man, a man named Ananias and his wife, Sapphira, sold a piece of property, okay? same, as, same as Barnabas. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and bought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. So there is a deception here, okay? He's pretending that he's bringing all that he got. But Peter says, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? 
You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard it. The young men rose, wrapped him up, carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, you can imagine the three-hour wait for his wife to turn up, can you, in that meeting? That would have been tense. Not knowing what happens. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Now, sometimes this story is misused and this isn't an example of what God does to people who don't give properly. So you're not thinking, am I going to die this morning? Is that what's going to... When you, then the offering box goes around, you think, I don't want to die. There you go. <laughs> that is not how it's told. And actually, we don't see a story like this again in the New Testament. And in all of my friends that go to church, I've never heard any of them say, yeah, God died this morning because he didn't tithe properly. And it's not what we are to draw from this. But there are some very important things that are highlighted, actually. So let's compare the two of them. So Barnabas went out of his way to give. Okay, that's what he did. We've, we've seen that. He rearranged his life. He sold the fields. He was in Jerusalem. He's from Cyprus. His whole life was set up so he could be generous. Ananias and Sapphira went out of their way to hold back. Okay, they, they did the opposite. They plotted and schemes. Basically, they thought, well, there's a way that we can, we can give a bit and we can pretend like that's all that we got from selling this building. And then we can keep some for ourselves to make themselves look good, to make themselves look generous. Ultimate Instagram givers. You can imagine them selfieing themselves as it goes in the pot at this moment. Hashtag generous, best life ever, not about to die, whatever it might be. <laughs> they were really owning it at that moment. They were about the look. Perhaps they'd seen what happened with Barnabas. Perhaps they'd felt what happened in the room, whatever it might have been. And Barnabas was costly in his giving. Like we said, he sold, he gave it all. It cost him something. Okay? When the money was gone, he didn't still have the money. He would have felt the loss of that. Ananias and Sapphira went for kudos giving. They wanted to look good. They wanted to look generous without actually being generous. And Barnabas was for humility, actually, like we said, he put it at the apostles' feet. It was a statement saying, you can spend it, I trust you. That is what this new community, this new kingdom is. Uh, I am part of that. I will get a say, but I trust you. Uh, Let's see what God's going to do. Ananias and Sapphira were cynical, actually. There was a little bit of a statement of, we're going to do things our way. It's individualistic as well. We, we don't really want to be part of this community like the rest of you. We're, we're keeping a bit of ourselves back. It's a bit controlling as well. It's a bit manipulative. There's a lot of pride in there. It was a cynical moment. And Barnabas, he gave for the futures. I want to build something here. I want to build something in this place, something that, uh, that is uh, going to outlive me. I want to put myself into that. You can sense Barnabas thinking, actually, one day I'm going to be old and I'll be close to death 
And then at that moment, perhaps I'll think, how did I live my life? And I think we'll all probably hit that moment. And perhaps we'll think, how did I invest my time? Who did I spend time with? Am I, am I happy with my work life, my family life, my friendship groups? Perhaps you even think, how will I have spent my money? Will I be pleased with what I invested in when I gave for the future? Will I be pleased that I, I put my money into those different things? Or will I be pleased I put my money into building the kingdom of God, for building this new temple? Actually, it's a really important moment. And Ananias and Sapphira, they gave for their own future, not for anyone else's, not for the kingdom. So you remember that prayer that they prayed in that prayer meeting? Why do the people's plot in vain? There was a moment where Ananias and Sapphira were plotting in vain. It says, why do the kings of the earth set themselves against the Lord and against his anointed? Well, in that moment, they were setting themselves up against. They were saying, no, this is us. We want to do things our way. We don't want to do things God's way. They gave for their own future. So when we give, and you might not think about it in those terms, we build with our giving. We build this new temple. Now, you might think, Tim, this is how much I earn. This is how much my rent costs. This is how much food costs. Both of those things happen to be going up quite a lot at the moment. Uh, And this is what I give, and it is not very much. I can't imagine it is very useful. If I stopped giving, Tim, would the church particularly notice? Uh, And actually, at the bottom of our spreadsheet, we might not notice. But you are still doing something incredibly powerful. You are still building for the future, When it comes to uh, the economics of God's kingdom, we can't look at it in the same way we look at human economics. When we give in the way that Barnabas did, when we go out of our way, when there is cost, when there is humility, when it's for the future, actually it's a really very important, very powerful thing that you do with your money. We build this brand new temple. We build this place where heaven and earth get to meet together When Jesus taught us to pray, he taught us to pray that it would be on earth like it is in heaven. How we use our money is one of the ways that we can make that play out. When we give like Barnabas, we actually build on Jesus this cornerstone that Peter and John were talking about. This huge building block, which is the very foundation of the temple. And without him in it, the whole thing falls to pieces. But actually, we get to build on that. And with our giving, that is one of the ways that we get to do that. We build on the generosity of Jesus. And Barnabas seems to have entirely got that. And as it described him later on as being full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit, clearly the Holy Spirit had reached his wallet. His faith had reached his wallet. And he went out of his way, even when it was costly. He was humble and faithful. He was building on the generosity of of Jesus, building on the sacrifice of Jesus. Uh, Barnabas knew that his giving was a small contribution, actually. We don't still have his money now. It's not in the Vatican. It's not in the CCM account. Actually, who knows how they even spent it, what they did with it, uh, who it helped feed, what uh, meetings it helped organise, what missionary trips it got, um, it, um, got moving. We don't know any of those things, but it was a very powerful contribution. When Jesus gave himself, he went out of his way to give. Actually, if you read the Gospels, the whole story weaves slowly but surely through the countryside to Jerusalem where he would die. He went out of his way to give. 
And it cost him to give, cost him his whole life. And he was humble in it as well. He submitted himself to those who didn't care about him, to those who wanted to beat him and destroy him as he gave. But that act of faith actually saw the kingdom of God built, saw God's people built, meant that we get to be here today. So when we get to give big, there's always things that we want to go after, people we want to help, projects we want to run. That will always be true. Uh, and I'm excited about all of those things. We pick these things because we think they're fantastic. But actually, it's a teaching moment for us as well, for all of us. Me and Vicky have, have gone through it this week. We, we broke a washing machine, which costs quite a lot of money to buy a new washing machine. We had double glazing put in. Let me tell you, those things cost money. Uh, we have all sorts of things going on in life which cost. Uh, and yet for a month or two, we've been thinking, where do we find? We've got to find some give big money. And we found some. some uh, the way that uh, the, some money has worked, actually, we can do it. But it's very much part of our thinking. Uh, um, it's a discipleship moment for us, actually. CCM is an incredibly generous church in its monthly giving and in its give big. We've given away huge amounts of cash. And that is because we want to love God, we want to serve, we want to be generous, we want to be like Barnabas, we want to build. So this time, give big, we're giving to a few things which we think are going to help build the church. There is the Northern Gospel Powerhouse, which Stephen tells me is the best-named thing he's heard, which is a church-planting initiative that we're doing with City Church, and we would love to put some finance into that. We want to give to Festival Manchester, which is being run by The Message, and uh, that is a, a huge social action event which will happen over the summer, doing loads of different things in, in lots of communities of Manchester that need some help. We want to put some money into that to help them. We also want to put some money into broadcasts, uh, and broadcast, I, I think, is the thing sneakily I'm most proud of. It has very little to do with me. Occasionally, I'm opinionated on a podcast. That's all I do. Uh, but actually, we get to train church leaders and church planters uh, all online with digital means, uh, which are very powerful. And, and just in the last year, we've started a Russian section of the broadcast website. So I don't know how they did it, but neither Tom or Beth can speak Russian. But they've built this Russian website, uh, and it is serving church planters in the Russian-speaking world and church leaders, um, getting really good content to them, helping to train them. I see that's great stuff. Bearing in mind all that's going on in the Russian-speaking world at the moment, we're actually doing a little bit, our little part, to help build the kingdom of God. And also we want to put into our school of theology and our school of ministry, um, really teaching people how to pray and hear from God uh, and teaching people how to read the Bible. Uh, and we give those things. We have loads of people from different churches uh, come along to those. And every couple of years or so, I'm like, we need to charge people for this. We're giving it away. And everybody else goes, no, Tim, this is what we do. We give it away for free. We want to bless the people of Manchester. So we do that. Uh, I'm obviously an arch capitalist and everybody else is very generous. Um, but actually, it's really important. We want to give these things away so we can build the church in Manchester and further afield. We get to do that. 